This is Leader ReadyCast, a monthly podcast featuring real-world lessons, best practices, and action-oriented insights for the Urit moments when you're called upon to lead. Leader ReadyCast is the official podcast of the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative, a joint program of the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and the Center for Public Leadership at the Harvard John F. Kennedy School of Government. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Leader ReadyCast. I'm your host, Eric McNulty, and today we're talking about the leader as coach. Now, coaching is not a newly recognized skill for organizational leaders, though it remains an elusive one. I'm not quite sure why, because in the sports world, it is widely recognized that no team, or individual for that matter, reaches peak performance without a coach. We're going to explore why your coaching ability is so important and what you can do to develop it. My guest today is Jillian Cribbs, an executive coach and consultant who works with global leaders and high potential executives across a range of sectors. Over the past 18 years, she has worked extensively across Europe, the US, Asia, Africa, and the Middle East, delivering leadership programs, one-to-one team co- and team coaching, and workshops on personal branding, coaching skills for managers, and conflict resolution. Jillian runs her own successful practice, Credo Consulting, in London, and is a longtime associate of the London Business School, IMD in Switzerland, the Said Business School at Oxford, and the HHL Business School in Leipzig. She regularly collaborates with leading UK and international academics on company-specific leadership programs. And before becoming a coach and facilitator, Jillian was management editor of the Financial Times and contributor on leadership and management issues to Harvard Online. I can think of no one better to dive into this topic with. Jillian, welcome to Leader ReadyCast. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for your welcome. It's really great to have you here today. Let's start by, I want to ask you some basic questions, which is, what do you mean by the leader is coach and what are the benefits? Well, as you rightly said, Eric, the leader as coach is not a new concept. Um, however, many people do not actually master the skills of coaching um, if they are leaders. So the leader as coach is the leader who recognizes that leadership is distributed in an organization. So while they may hold the title or position of leader, Actually, their job is to unlock leadership at all levels in the organization. And the leader who acts as a coach is one who can engage with people to draw out their own leadership capabilities and think about building organizational capability and organizational strength by engendering more leaders in the organization. And I suppose the big switch is the move from a hierarchical position as leader to a position of thinking that they are there to support, to engage, to help everybody think through their own problems. So moving really from a directive style of leading to a non-directive style. And if anybody has um, a really good leader who acts as a coach, you'll be familiar with the leader who says, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions. So there's somebody who asks people to think about what could be the problems, think about solutions, come with an idea, which they will then discuss together. So you're really, de- you're really developing ability and capability throughout the organization, which is, to yes. me, a, a good way of looking at it. It, it. it views leading and leadership as something that, that can be abundant if properly developed. Yes, absolutely. And I think you're, you, you're right to use the word leading 
because leadership is often considered a concept, some kind of abstract concept, and it's not, it's, it's actually an action. Um, and, you know, I think with the leader who does act as a coach, um, I mean, there are different types of coaching that, you know, coaches, there's an internal coach who would specifically act as a coach, there's an external coach, which is what I do. But the leader of coach is actually really building people's skills, building their um, innovation, their, their ways of thinking, helping people to improve their performance. And what, what is interesting is the way that kind of leadership um, inspires energy, ex excites higher performance opens up people to the possibilities of what they could become and their potential. And that's why I talk about building organizational capability. So people do actually think of themselves as leaders as well. And so are there people doing this that, that our, our listeners would recognize are there leaders out there you think are good coaches? Ah, well, I, I was thinking hard about this, Eric, and I was thinking, well, are the politicians I see? And I think, well, not really, are there, um, prominent leaders out there and I, I really haven't come across many I have to say um, I, I think it's still there's still an expectation of the leader being the figure of authority the, the the person who's going to drive the vision drive the strategy have the answers but you know as as you know Eric in in our current situation um, there's this pandemic COVID-19 COVID and the disruption it's brought with business um, you know, some of us, some people want more of this heroic style of leader, whereas, whereas actually the, the way through it is to harness everybody's um, energy to, to drive change. Um, so I, I struggle with this question. How about you, Eric? Did you come up, did you think of anybody who could be? Um... Well, what, what occurred to me as I was trying to think if I had to answer this question, what I would say. Mm. And I think that actually we tend to celebrate, at least in, in the, Again, sort of away from the celebrity range of or the sort of sporting world, we tend to celebrate the the lone hero CEO or the very sort of directive uh, public sector leader. You know, we had that singular hero model, mm -hmm. and I think there are actually a lot of great coaching leaders out there, but they don't draw a lot of attention to themselves, which is why we don't call them mm -hmm. with names. Um, I do think of. Uh, Doug Conant, who was the now retired CEO of, of Campbell Soup, has written about his experience, and it's very much a, with a very much with a developmental mindset. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there are others like that. But uh, but again, I think the uh, this basic approach, you don't try and call all the attention to yourself because you're trying to develop the leadership capacity and all mm -hmm. those around you. So you actually prefer the attention goes to them and that yeah. you succeed together. Yeah, I, I think the the classic example, the, the one that's cited in all the business school cases is Satya Nadella, actually. Of yes, good point. Very good point. Um, who, if you've ever seen his YouTube videos, um, he's, he's very impressive. And, you know, he, he made a point of um, really listening and learning from others and um, really holding focus groups, getting people to share their opinions. But he actually said in his first year, listening was the most important thing he accomplished each day because that helped build the foundation for his leadership. And I, I think that humility is there. 
when you see him talk you know he actually talks about the very first day he joined Microsoft when he was a little boy you know and because he believed Microsoft was the best company in the world so I, I think and that's but that's a it's quite an Indian thing as well I mean that that humility that wanting to learn Barack Obama was actually one person I, I was thinking of the president last president but two one I think two <laughs> um, and he he did do a lot of listening. He did have this um, culture in the White House of sitting down and listening to people and taking you know, points from people rather than being dictatorial or directing. I think we see some of that in Joe Biden as well. Um, that's that's interesting. And I think, again, as a sort of a counterpoint to so much, we get see celebration of people like Elon Musk, who yes. I don't think is a whole lot of listening, or at least uh, doesn't doesn't appear that way. But it is that, that bravado and... I've got all the answers approach to being a, a corporate leader, which, um, mm. as you say, I think may attract more investors than than uh, than true high performers. But so so why is this so relevant now? What what's different about the setting? Why do you want to talk about lead, leaders as coaches now? Well, I mean, I've been talking about leaders being coaching for years, and in fact, the last twenty years, every every time I've worked with a group of leaders, I've taught them how to coach as a a matter of course. Um, and you know they've all used it they've done it but getting getting traction really in the organization i've been going back to some organizations after 10 years and they say well my boss isn't really coaching me <laughs> um even even though they know how to and I, I i know that but i think you know as with this old myth of heroic leadership and the leader as the big person in charge I really do think now we are properly in the 21st century and COVID, the COVID pandemic and the crisis it's brought in its wake and the economic crisis, social crisis, uh, business crisis, um, it really has changed the game. And I do think coaching as a skill is so critical for leaders now because you know, we are living in a very rapid, constant and disruptive change. Um, COVID marked that a year ago. I don't think we've settled down to anything like how things were before. We are on a different journey now, a different trajectory. And, you know, literally, if the pandemic has taught us anything, is that what worked before won't work in the future. We have to revisit the way we organize ourselves, the way we do business, the way society runs. And quite frankly, I think I mean, you, you know this from your expertise with um, your book, Eric, um, it's you, that, that leaders and managers don't have all the answers. They may feel they do or they may hope they do, but actually they don't and they can't because we're in uncharted territory. So this is why I think particularly now it's become crystal clear that we have to draw on everybody's resources. We have to bring in our collective intelligence um, from different levels of the organization, from society, and you know, from different diverse ways of thinking, you know, from different you know, levels of experience, different levels of in society. We don't, not one person has all the answers. And I think the more everybody is open to listening, questioning, challenging and being challenging, the quicker we will all be to adapt, innovate and change to match these new skills. And 
I think the corollary of that or, or the what will be the outcome of that is that we will develop more of a learning and adaptability culture in the future. I think it was Alvin Toffler who said that the skill most required in the future in his book, Future Shop, would be the ability to learn, unlearn and learn again. And coaching skills help people to learn and think. They help them to find new ways of doing things. And at the same time, they help the manager or the leader to learn from others. So it's more of like a dialogue, if you like, more of an exploration. And the more we build this dialogue, the more we bring in different voices and different ways of looking at things, I think the quicker we will be in the future to learn and adapt and get back up on our feet. Sorry, it's a long so, answer to That's it. okay. Well, it's, it's an important one to cover, but let's mm. get concrete now. So mm. what are one or two things you, as you're coaching someone to be a better coach, uh, what are one or two things you, you work with them on to help them improve their skills? Yeah, the classic place to start is listening, good listening skills. So for me, this comes down to listening on a number of levels. And one of the first things I, I teach leaders to do is to say, you know, you often listen on the level of just the facts, so just the data. Well, that's one level of listening. But below that is a level of listening, which is about the emotion or the feelings. So is somebody frustrated? Are they angry? Are they frightened? Are they nervous? Are they depressed? You know, what's going on an emotional level? And you can, you can judge that by how quickly they speak, if their voice goes up or down, if they stop speaking. I think then there's the level of listening, which is a bit more sophisticated, which is the level of what's not being said. So are they going around in circles? Are they avoiding something? Is there something that doesn't feel right? So you can sort of pick this up by reading between the lines. The other level that you've got to listen at is the level of self-awareness. So are you listening to yourself? And more specifically, are you listening to the filters or the judgments that you're making, which actually stops you from listening? So what are what is stopping you from listening? What are, what's getting in the way of you hearing what this person is saying? And that could be many things. That can be somebody lacking time, lacking focus. It could be, you know, they need to pick up their children from school. They need to, um, perhaps um, they're hungry or they've not quite processed the meeting they were in before and, you know, they're distracted. So in a way, it does start with you clearing space and time to listen to somebody. So you're not doing three things at once and your mind isn't in another place. Focus on the person in front of you and really give them time and space to listen to them. And that, that is an art, but that requires self-discipline and practice. And, you know, you can't listen for, you know, the 12 hours a day, you're conscious or working. You, you, have, you can only do it in sort of 30 minutes or 20, 10, 20, 30 minute attention spans, because it is quite exhausting. So really listen. The second one is really understand how to ask a good question. And for that, it's the difference between an open question and a closed question. So a closed question usually gets the answer yes or no. And it can be useful for clarifying 
something, you know, is it this or is it that? But more often than not, it's overused so that people drive somebody down a path um, and they make, you know, they don't give them the room to explore or, or expand. Now, an open question is very simple. It, it gives people an open possibility to answer in the way they'd like. And often you'll get to an answer much more quickly through an open question. And an open question starts with one of these six words, which is who, what, where, when, why, or how. That's who, what, where, when, why, or how. And I often find with coaching that just the shorter the question and using one of those words really gets to the heart of things quickly. So, you know, just to say, well, where are you going to start? Or how are you going to approach this? Or what's the big issue here? Or where do you think the block is? Or, you know, who is important in this discussion right now? Or who are the key players here? And you find that leaders and managers, because they're so often programmed to come up with the answers, to tell people what to do. I mean, that's often been why they promoted what their value is because they they solve problems they get things done quickly they bring solutions they find it really difficult to hold themselves back and ask those questions but that's that's the discipline that's like going to the gym or you know doing your weights at home now because nobody goes to the gym of course um you know it's it's having that discipline and the practice to do that um and, you know, you go a long way with just those three things, self-awareness, really listening and asking a good question. And I can see, though, how, how hard it is because everyone now is trying to multitask. Our, yeah. We've got multiple screens in our lives that we're always yeah. dinging us and pinging us uh, why this is so difficult. But I can also see why it's important to, to actually make that space to close the laptop, turn the phone over, uh, whatever, to push those aside, to actually be able to listen to, to gather in as much information as you can. And as you noted, it isn't just the verbal communication, it's the nonverbal communication Absolutely, yes. that tells you so, so much. You're right. uh, and, and we all feel pressed for time. Uh, and I can also see where that, uh, that also makes us a, a difficult skill to acquire and deploy. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're quite right about body language. That's um, the other really important thing. And the reason I mentioned listening on an emotional level and the body language level and also what's not being said is because you can actually, a lot of leaders say, I don't have time for all that listening and doing that, you know, spending all that time going through all this stuff. And that's a fair, that's a fair challenge. But if you really listen and listen to how people say things or what they're not saying or how they're looking, the expression they've got on their face, and if you name that or identify that, that can often get short circuit everything and get right to the heart of the, of the challenge. Um, so you might say, for example, you know, you look, you look really puzzled by that, you know, what's going on here? That's an opportunity for somebody to just open up about what's really happening or equally you could say you seem quite excited about the possibilities here tell me you know tell me more and that would unlock people's positivity or again what's the frustration here you'll get right to the heart of it so often leaders and managers are just listening on the fact level and they're missing so much of the picture 
That's interesting. And I, I'm thinking back to one of our earlier questions about sort of the great coach leaders that, that we know. Mm. Uh, I'm also thinking that the, the people I'm thinking of, again, not household names necessarily, but they tend to prefer one-on-one -on -one meetings to big group meetings. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think, you know, I think about what you're saying now, that when you're in that one-on-one -on -one meeting, you actually, it actually is easier to focus, to pay attention yeah. to body language and tone and all those other signals. Yes. Whereas in a group meeting, first of all, we're all a bit more reserved uh, at yes. times. And, and then you're, again, scanning six people instead of one person. Absolutely. And, and uh, a lot of different things going on there. And of course, Zoom makes it all the harder because we don't get to see a, as much body yeah. language. Of um, course. Which is very, and, but we all know what it feels like when somebody's not listening to us, don't we? When we've had a manager who's doing his emails or is on the phone or she, it's not just he, is she might be, you know, looking away or, or more interested in their coffee. It, it's really distracting. And, and actually 10 minutes with somebody who's really focused on you can make all the difference in the world, you know. So one of the obstacles to coaching that leaders often mention is the lack of time. You know, I'm too busy, um, you know, it takes too long. Um, you know, it's more efficient to tell people what to do. Um, these people, you know, people can't be coached because, you know, they've got no ideas. Really, if, if leaders just sort of think about time as, you know, 10 minutes of really focused time when you're present can feel like a long, long time to somebody as opposed to half an hour with a meeting where they're being talked over or told what to do. I mean, I, I had a boss years ago who, um, before I even became a coach myself, who always said that if anybody needed to talk to him, that he would be available with an hour's notice. And I used to work on a newspaper. So, you know, having the editor available at an hour's notice was pretty impressive. Anyway, I went in one day because I was a bit frustrated and wanted to rant. And he, um, first thing he said to me was, you know, I'm here, I'm all yours. Tell me what's on your mind and how I can help. And I literally spent... I downloaded my problems. He listened to me and reflected back what I'd said. So I knew he was listening to me he, that, because it's active listening. That's really important. Reflecting back what somebody has said. And then he asked me a couple of questions which really helped me step out of the situation I was in and think around it. And then the final thing he did, which was really good, was to challenge me, um, which changed my perspective. And I came out of that meeting with a completely different point of view. I went in with a problem or a whole set of problems and I came out actually very energized and with a new um, perspective on things and a new motivation. And honestly, Eric, I felt that meeting was about an hour long. And when I came out, I noticed it was 15 minutes. So he really had mastered that art of being present and focused. And it was actually quite transformational. So. I think that's a really important takeaway for our listeners mm -hmm. is that actually being present and investing the time in doing that one thing can actually be more efficient yes. than trying to do multiple things. And, and again, thinking you're, you're, you know, being busy is good or that you, um, that you're using the time to its best, but you're probably not. I know we all, we waste time. And, and I also think if you're in a meeting and, and, uh, 
some of you know the, the people walk out and then spend half an hour talking to each other trying to figure out what you just told them to do or yeah. trying to figure out what you what you were thinking when you came up with yes. that crazy idea um yes. that's wasted time as well yes um and so that, that I, I we've often said at the MPLI that presence is one of your your great gifts as a leader. It's one of your yes. great tools that if you can actually be present, uh, you can first of all you can make an enormous impact because there, not enough people take the time to be present. But then, mm -hmm. as you say, that time, the the uh, sort of the weight or the or the value of that time is so much greater than when you're half dialed into whatever you're doing. Absolutely, and. And, and I think just going back to this point about leaders saying they don't have enough time, you know, when I open some, you know, I ask an open question, I get so much information, I don't know what to do with it. Um, I'd say, you know, not all coaching needs to be sitting down for an hour long session. Um, you can coach on the hoof, I like to call it coaching on the hoof, where, you know, you just throw in a question to somebody and say, well, you know, how are you thinking about this? Or what could you do? Or you just reflect back to them what they've said. And one of the funniest things, um, and this happens a lot in coaching, is where, you know, these are one-to-one -one sessions. And I say, so what, you know, what do you want to talk about? What are your challenges? And we go through this and then I say, well, what are you going to do about it? And they say, I've no idea, I don't know where to start. And a great question I was taught to ask was, well, what could you do about it? And that switches things. And then we might have five or six ideas come out. So that's that's a good thing to ask. What could you do about it? So you're if, you're eliciting you're eliciting options, not necessarily yes. decision. Yes, exactly. Okay. And then I would simply reflect them back and people would say, that's amazing. They're great ideas. And I have to say to them, I wish I could take credit, but I can't because these are your ideas and you are not listening to them. So my job is just to tell you what they are. Now, make sure you write them down and go and think about them. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's that that. So the, the, there is the coaching on the hoof, you know, in a meeting, if you're in a meeting with a group of people, just, you know, throw out the question, what could we do about it? Let's get, you know, a whiteboard here. Let's, let's work through this. You can do whiteboards on Zoom. I understand, um, you know, what could be our ideas here? How could we approach this? Um, and the really important thing I should have said earlier about asking questions is, what happens if a leader is coaching, what happens is that when you ask the questions instead of directing people, you're putting people in a position where they have to start thinking about accountability. So that means now I have to think about it. Now I have to come up with some ideas. And that's a very important part of a leader's job, which is to transfer accountability to their team to actually act. And it's the first step before action. So if you don't get people thinking about things, if you don't unlock their energy and their creativity and innovation, they're not actually gonna go off and do it. Um, I think the re research shows that if you tell somebody what to do, 80 or 90% of the time, they'll forget it or not do it or not do it very well. But if you get people thinking about how they might do it, most of the time they act on it. I think it's 
almost sort of 80, 90% of the time, they will act on it. That's and a great that, insight. And, and that's really important for a leader because unless you want to be the kind of leader who's going around doing everybody else's job, um, you have to get your people to start taking responsibility and accountability. Um, yeah, and I think it's so important that I know from the, from the neuroscience we've looked at, so often the, the kind of question you ask triggers different circuits in the brain, so it gets you thinking differently. So asking yeah. for ideas will trigger a different set of, of circuits and a different set kind of thinking than asking for a decision or a conclusion. Um, and so, you know, I think what you're saying is so important to being, being aware and intentional about the kind of question you're asking, mm -hmm. uh, because it will trigger a certain response in those you're, you're coaching that you're hoping will get things done and will, will achieve the mission objectives you set forward. It's much mm -hmm. more engaging that way. Absolutely. And you avoid what we call an, um, transactional analysis, actually, it's, it's one approach to coaching, um, the parent and child dynamic so you don't want to be the leader who's you know the supportive leader who's thinking and you know wrapping the employee in cotton wool and you don't want to be the critical one either who's micromanaging them or or directing them all the time um because either way you'll get very dependent people or very rebellious people actually it turns out and so it the coaching is called actually the adult to adult dynamic um you know i'm here to support you but you're here to support me so let's build that dialogue about how we're going to do this together um so it works very well in a matrix environment as well um where you don't necessarily have that kind of hierarchy you have a flatter structure but it also works to develop a learning organization um, where people can't and shouldn't count on leaders having all the answers well, I think that is a great way to wrap up our conversation. I mean, the, the getting to that adult to adult dynamic, which is mm -hmm. we are all adults and we expect people to behave like adults, mm -hmm. to be very aware of of listening and active listening and what that what that triggers in people, how it actually can lead to better performance as well as greater efficiency, which we're all looking for. Uh, and then probably greater satisfaction for the for the leader as well, because you're seeing yes. those around you succeed and you're you're you are succeeding in one of your most important roles, which is developing those around you. Yeah, and, and it's really important uh, for millennials as well, younger generation who are very ambitious and want to get on. So for them, it's so important to open up um, their potential, open up their opportunities and give people, you know, the, the chance to show what their horsepower is, if you like, in an organization, their intellectual horsepower, their energy, um, and to make a proper contribution. Um, one phrase I like very much is that leadership is about contribution. Um, and so leadership's not vested in a position, it's, it, it's actually a reflection of the contribution you make. So a great leader or leader as coach is one who is maximizing everybody's contribution and that's they do that by giving people the opportunity and if if lead, leaders don't listen or ask people questions how are they going to find out what people are capable of um and this goes to the heart of you know equality diversity many more things that we'd, we're not going to be talking about today but um it's very very much an equalizer and um i do think i'm very hopeful that this this 
the, the pandemic and the way it's reconfigured things, um, it, it's just marked a step change in how leaders are going to start um, taking their roles um, in, a, in a very different direction. So, well, Jillian Cripps, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a very informative half hour or so on the importance of listening, the importance of asking questions, if you're going to be an effective leader as coach. And, you, and given the turbulent times in which we live, uh, being an effective leader is going to mean being an effective leader as coach. For all of you listening, thank you for joining us. Until we get together again, watch out for that you're it moment and be ready to step up and lead. Thank you very much and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Leader ReadyCast, the official podcast of the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative, a joint program with the Harvard PhD Health and the Harvard John F. Kennedy School of Government's Center for Public Leadership. You can find more about our work as well as our online classes and other programs at our website, npli.sph.harvard.edu. You can follow us on Twitter at HarvardNPLI. You can find short videos in our content on YouTube. Search for at Harvard NPLI. And you can follow us on LinkedIn and look for our company page, National Preparedness Leadership Initiative, Again, thank you for listening. Please pass this podcast along. We look forward to being with you again soon.